It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, uh, welcome here. I'm here with Rabble Rouser, uh, Sean Kirschner. Who uh, did I say that? I, I, you know, I, I realize I've said your your last name so rarely that I'm never certain if I Kirschner. Uh, Kirschner. Okay, I I totally butchered that. And we probably should have done that off air. But you know what, guys, you, you're gonna get all the good little bits here uh, on our show, uh, and all the bad little bits. But you know what? The good bits are gonna be Rabble and I having seen three days of practice now. Uh, padded practice in a row in this little pod, this Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practice. Uh, and we're going to give you kind of our impressions of where we feel like the roster is. Uh, we're going to go position by position. First of all, uh, Sean, how, how you doing, man? How, how, what's your take overall with this? I'm jazzed. You know, I think that uh, the, the last three practices we've seen have been super competitive. Uh, but they haven't devolved into or gone past the competition envelope or whatever you want to you want to call it. They haven't devolved into um, sloppiness. Uh, they've been you know super energetic, but, but fairly precise. Uh, the defense is looking quite strong. Yeah. But not uh, you know they're not dominating so much that we that we need to like start to panic about the offense. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that Chris Richard's defensive backs are going to continue to be a story for the rest the rest of the year. They look really good. You know, it's funny, and I'm, I'm kind of coming to this. We've been trying to kind of quantify what we've been seeing, like especially like when in competition with the wide receivers and the defensive backs because there's so many kind of moving parts, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. we'll get into all that, of course. But it's been, I think, it's been very encouraging that, you know, in a lot of the one-on-ones and uh, the, you know, the outside of team stuff, it still feels like, the wide receivers are taking it to the DBs uh, at time to time. And, and, we, and I've talked about how that is, you know, obviously a, a very disadvantage for the offense. But my point is, is that it feels like the issue that the offense is having is kind of bringing it together and not that they don't have the talent at the positions to compete. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like what we're seeing is that it's the offense, you know, just with so many new moving parts, it, it kind of, Finding it's specifically the passing offense, obviously finding it's uh, finding what everyone does well, and then kind of bringing it all together. Agreed, with one caveat, which is that um, the bringing together, the process of bringing things together, is going to be slowed for the second and third team because, frankly, there is a talent disparity on the, between the offensive line after the first team and the defensive line, which I think is much deeper and more talented. And we should also mention, which is also new this year, obviously, just because of the caliber of players that were on the team last year. The first and second wide receiver groups are indistinguishable. There, there, there is no first and second wide receiver groups, really. They are all kind of rotating throughout the first and second groups, pretty much. Now, today, specifically, Hearns and Deontay Thompson were out. So even more so, we're, we were seeing kind of a lot of rotation and, 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 and kind of people that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see with the second team running there. So with all that built in, 
Um, let's let's start uh, going through positions and, and let's start with quarterback. So we decided that we we're going to come up. We had three categories: on the team, on the bubble, uh, not in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, right, yes. uh, and, and obviously that seems very definite and something you know, in a world that's very kind of nebulous. But but uh, you know we're going to be cruel. The, the the cruel cut must must happen. So. Uh, let's start with quarterback. What, what, where do you think we lie there? Do you think Dak Prescott, Prescott's going to make this team this year? I don't know. You know, he's he's really having some significant accuracy problems. And you saw his last eight games last year, Landon. I, I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. No, I think that, you know, we're in agreement on this, I believe, that um, there are basically three guys who are, unless something really weird happens with numbers at another position, who are basically roster locks, and that's and there's really no bubble guys. And so yeah. that's obviously Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush, who I think at this point is still running with the second team yeah. and, and will probably for a while. Yeah. Um, and then Mike White, their fifth-round draft pick, who has a live arm but seems to be processing things and throwing late a lot. And so I, I think that that's primarily the yeah. reason why Cooper Rush is going to continue to be a second-team quarterback for a bit. Absolutely. And I, I wanted to bring up Dalton uh, Sturm's name just because I feel like he's been impressive agreed i I don't know that he's uh done close to enough to you know make you put him in the conversation yet i think he's at at, in that bottom rung of not even in the conversation yet um you know mike white I, i just will say like uh he still has a ways to go and i still feel like there is more distance between cooper rush and mike white than i expected there to be uh, I thought that that would be more of a competition, but so far it really isn't. Mike White struggled to, to pull the trigger on time and, and get rid of the ball, it feels like. Yes. Um, all right, we'll move on to the running backs. And, and running backs, again, I mean, it seems like it seems like a pretty obvious answer, but, but let's hear what you got first. Uh, so I, I would say that, obviously, uh, Zeke Elliott is going to make the team. Good, good. Uh, I think Rod uh, Smith is going to make the team. You know, he's he's continued his, his ascendancy that we saw over the course of the 2017 season. Yep. You know, where he really sort of grew into it and earned, and then was clearly the number two running back over the course of the year. And they gave them their own package together, that that uh, 21 pony uh, package yeah. that they referred to, which where basically they're both on the field at the same time. So clearly... They have plans to get them both on the field at the same time, which I think is going to be beneficial for everyone. That's going to be really interesting. A couple of, couple of big boys who yeah. uh, don't mind contact. Uh, yeah. So you actually commented yesterday that uh, the coaches yelled, pony, 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 and yeah. Rod Smith galloped on yeah, the, like he was riding into the huddle. Yeah, you like know, kind of toy broom ponies. It's pretty um, funny. I think the question at running back then becomes, um, is Bo Scarborough definitely on the roster or is he on the bubble? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, obviously, just to kind of lay it out, Zeke on the team, Rod on the team, I think we both agree uh, Jameez Olawale, who we're, we're lumping into this group as well, uh, yes. is on the team as well, just because, you know, he's the only fullback on the team. And, and they've shown a lot of, of deploying him, it seems like. They haven't been uh, shy about it. And, and he's, you know, that was one thing I noticed just real quick about him. He was actually involved in one of the compete periods, you know, when they were doing the separate uh, skill set to the compete periods and when they hadn't come all together mm-hmm. for the large compete period. Uh, and, and he toasted Damian Wilson uh, in mm-hmm, a one on one round pretty good, which again slated to the offense. But this is a fullback going against a linebacker who should be able to cover running backs. So a uh, pretty impressive little route runner for a fullback. I and and he's a special teams core guy. Yeah. And so like that that tells you a lot about what they think of him and and, and you know his chances of making the roster. He's in all, he's on all the first team you know teams uh, units. So I, that you know that that's a pretty clear signal. And the tight end element too, because we're going to talk about this later. I think you and I are both on on board with going a little bit short at tight end. And this, you know Jamez Wally is a big part of why we feel a little more comfortable with that. Agreed. Going back to your question about Bo Scarborough, 
I, you know, I, I think obviously we're at a point, we haven't seen any preseason games yet, and, you know, preseason is really where running backs make the team, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. so uh, it, it's tough to kind of get an idea of how well he's doing because, you know, they don't tackle, they don't take people to the ground, especially with the running backs. They're basically tapping him and say, ah, I got you. And then the mm-hmm. defense will scream, you know, because they think they got him or whatever. Right. Um, so it, I, you know, I tend to think that, um, you know, if, if he gets out there and, 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 he, and he really shows out, uh, he's going to get a ton of opportunity, obviously, as much as anyone on this team to show, uh, show what he's got. Uh, the question is, you know, what exactly are they looking for in order for him to be good enough to make the team? You know, it's not, it's not like they – I mean, I think – whether he makes the team may very well have nothing to do with how he runs the football. Right. Uh, you know, it right. may very well all completely come down to can he make himself a uh, uh, almost indispensable special teams player? Because, I mean, frankly, he may not – you know, you and I postulated that maybe the, the, the thing is with him is that he becomes one of the seven inactives, you know, on game day. And if that's the case, he doesn't even necessarily need to be great on special teams. But the, but the point is, is that – what is it that he's gonna? What is like? What is his goal? Like, what is he like? What is he gonna need to do in order to earn a roster spot? That's what. That's what's very difficult for me to quantify because how much do they really want to have to keep another running back? Uh, you know, on the yeah, team. Yeah, I and you know when we look at him and we look at Rod Smith, I think right now the, the question is what does he what does he do that Rod Smith doesn't do? Yeah. Yeah, and so and so it begin, in some ways becomes a question of skill set. Do they want a guy who's who they're going to have to you know stash on the on you know who won't be on the forty six most of the time, uh, who basically just replicates what your number two running back does, or do you want an, another skill set where like especially since this coaching staff seems so intent on exploiting matchups every week, who can provide you a kind of matchup problem against certain teams, certain linebacking units, etc. Yeah, and so it could be that the, that the third running back is on somebody else's. Uh, team right yeah now. and, and that's that becomes ultimately the thing is what what is the value of of keeping a third running back? I mean, obviously this is a team that's going to run the ball a lot and if they plan on giving the ball to rod smith some even with ezekiel elliott on the field uh, do they need to keep a, another running back on on the field on the team uh, you know the, the question also i mean just to add in more variables could Tavon austin be taking your third wide running back snaps you know, in game, not necessarily end up being your third running back on the death chart. All of that is going to be very difficult calculus for them when it comes down to cut time. I think. So, I think that's right. That's going to be a tough spot for them to figure out. So let's go. Uh, you know, just kind of in the order that we had gone in, just to you know <laughs> tease everybody a little bit. We'll go into offensive line and, and we'll save the, the more difficult cutdowns for a little bit later. Offensive line. I mean, I feel like obviously the starter five are pretty clear cut. Um, you and I. S- Tend to agree, I think, on six and seven, which we think, you know, they at least will keep seven, uh, hopefully eight, uh, probably eight. Um, my six and seven are are Looney and uh, uh, Fleming, and then with that last spot likely being a battle between Chaz Green uh, and. Uh, and Marcus Martin. Marcus Martin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, obviously, those they all play kind of Green and Martin play different positions, but I just feel like, you know, what they paid Fleming and, and what, you know, with his experience, that he's got to be, you know, the guy that they probably feel the most comfortable with as their swing tackle. And to me, Looney gives you such game day, you know, flexibility. I mean, he can start between any, on any of those. Uh, three uh, backup, uh, be a backup for any one of those uh, three uh, interior spots. So, 
Uh, to me, that's why it makes the most sense because I think on game day, you could very you could see them going seven. You could see them going light on a game day in order to get you know extra wide receiver on the field and that sort of thing. So yeah, I think last year and in the last couple of years we've seen them go uh, light on game day and, and go seven. Yeah, so I think that given given you know the, the sort of depth and and. And also the fact that they need to take chances on more guys at, at other positions. It does seem like eight is probably the number they're going to go. Yeah. And so if we can accept your thesis, which I think is a, is a, is a good one, that, that, that Looney becomes a kind of gay day, game day interior swing. And I think you made a really good point when we, when we sort of briefed this uh, conversation earlier, which is that in many ways the drafting of Connor Williams is what makes – Marcus Martin then go from a potential yeah. starter to maybe a guy who's not going to make the team. Yeah, exactly. Because in some ways, he, his value lies in competing for a starting role, but is he as good as Joe Looney as the swing? And I think the answer might be no. Yeah, I mean, it, we even saw him today. Uh, he's not even practicing now. I mean, it, I mean, I don't know if he's hurt or if it's a conditioning thing because he's big. Like, he looks Montre Holland big. Like, and we – and and. and so I don't really know if they were, were trying to just get him in shape because he was basically just running on the sideline with somebody basically all practice. So, yeah, I, I think once, you know, like I had mentioned before, once Williams got drafted and Martin wasn't going to be groomed, you know, they knew that Martin wasn't necessarily going to be groomed to be the starter, his value plummeted because, you know, once it becomes a battle of, well, whether you keep this guy who could be a solid guy that you could be as your starter – or this other extremely versatile guy who is really actually probably more valuable as a backup mm-hmm. than Marcus Martin, uh, it you know it became it became the Looney Show. So and he's also hilarious. So obviously that's the reason we're going to keep him. So, that's right. Um, let's move on to tight ends. I mean, is there anyone else in the offensive line? I, I, I do want to bring up Kadeem Edwards. I was going to say I think yeah. Kadeem Edwards. You have to. I, I think you have to at least, in fairness to him and in fairness to. What they tend to say about him and the tone and the tone the tones in which they discuss him, I think you have to put him on the bubble. I think you know. Listen, at this point, you know, I think he probably has a, as good a chance as Marcus Martin. If Martin is not on, you know, healthy, he's going to be cheaper. He's obviously younger. He's got a lot of natural talent. It feels like. Uh, so I think yeah, Martin and, and Edwards and uh, and. Potentially, I guess Green. Yeah. All, all in the bubble in that in that spot. So, so yeah, I think. What, what, well, what, I would say Kadeem Edwards probably in, in, not in the conversation yet. Maybe. Maybe, but I don't think you, I don't think you can, you're not you can't say he's like with with Jake Campos where you're like he has no shot. Yeah, right? that's so, true. So I think that's he's probably true. on the bubble. All those other guys are basically not. I, in the I think they're camp bodies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that. Um, and so in some in some ways, I think that you know the issue for Chaz Green is how comfortable they feel with. Um, uh, uh, excuse me. Thank you, Cameron Fleming, as a swing tackle at both tackle yeah. positions. Yeah. You know, can't, I mean, I think he's one of those guys who wins ugly. Yeah. And it can be a sort of battling right tackle. Do they think that if Tyron Smith, God forbid, should, something should happen to him, do they feel like Cameron Fleming has the athleticism to compete as a as a left tackle for five games or something like that? Yeah, that'll be that'll be the question. So moving on to tight end, um, this seems a little more cut and dry at this point i mean i think me, so yeah yeah i mean I feel, what, what do you think well to me yeah obviously swaim is the guy that's getting the majority of the the kind of tight end one looks where uh no matter what the tight end if there's one tight end on the field he's it um i i've actually been trying to pay attention i feel like sometimes they've they've subbed in uh jarwin you know on certain packages just because again 
I mean, clearly the there's roles. Like Swaim is the you know universal tight end who can basically do whatever. He's not Witten, but he's playing the kind of Witten role mm-hmm. where he is uh, you know deployed, and you're not really sure because of who he is what he's doing uh, once he gets into the huddle. Uh, Jarwin is pretty clearly a cut dry you know receiving tight end. It, it seems like someone uh, I think it was you yesterday. Uh, said maybe like a Zach Ertz light kind of situation at Philadelphia. Uh, I think that's kind of a, a, a fair, similar comparison. I mean, he, you know, he's not a plus blocker. No, but he <laughs> has he has some athleticism. Mm-hmm. He moves well for a tight end. He's he's fluid. He, he runs good routes. Uh, he can he can catch the ball above his head. Uh, you know, he, he's a mismatch player. I mean, I, I think, and that's and that's what he where he's going to win is. You know, I think he can probably function as a you know. A blocker on the edge, you know, like uh, in, in run games, but I don't know that he's going to be a. I don't know if you want to run behind him. I don't know if he's like a mm. point of attack blocker, you know. Uh, but I think he's he's definitely provided value as a receiver out here, and, and he's shown that that they may have something with him uh, as a guy who can catch some passes. I don't know what. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up with as many or more catches than uh, Swain in their current, if they keep their current depth agreed, the same, same way. Um, and then obviously the, the the third guy being the the rookie Dalton Schultz. Um, Schultz, it's been tough because uh you know he's he's missed uh, a couple of days of practice with the birth of his child, which congratulations. Um, but uh, you know he got back into practice yesterday. Um, promptly just got destroyed by <laughs> Damian Lewis Wilson um, in that uh, in that. It was, a, it was basically a, a blitzing blitz, blitz pickup, pickup drill, uh, yeah. Drill. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I think it was a compete period, wasn't yeah, it? Because the so. whole team was there and everybody was watching. Um, but you know, today actually they were doing, uh, uh, you know, like I said, the, you know, before they got into the larger compete uh, period, which uh, I'm sure was probably either focused on videos or you can see the tweets or might be up on the Cowboys uh, website itself. Um, they were doing a separate kind of compete period while the offensive line and defensive line were working on what looked like to be run fits or mm-hmm, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were doing a, a wide receiver and skill player uh, a compete period. And, and, and in that, uh, Schultz uh, – was it during – no, it was actually during 7-on-7. Seven seven. It was during 7-on-7. Seven seven, uh, Schultz actually returned the favor on, on Damian uh, and with, a, with a nice route and left uh, uh, Wilson on the ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think – I like what I've seen from him um, catching the ball. He's very natural catching the ball. Agreed. For a guy that didn't catch a ton of passes, I mean, we, you know, the circumstance there is that they have two other tight ends who are probably going to be, you know, draft. By that, by that you mean Stanford. Stanford, of yes, course. Of have course. two mm-hmm. other players at the tight end position who are younger than him, one of which who will probably be a first-rounder and the other of which may also be a first-rounder. So they have a lot of talent there, and mm-hmm. they are obviously well-known for producing uh, tight end talent. So he didn't get used a lot there. He got used more as a blocker. And it's interesting because out here at camp, I've been more comfortable with what I've seen with him as a receiver than I've seen as a blocker. Now, that is a lot of that is due to sample size being very small. Uh, but beyond all that, obviously, I feel like Schultz is on the team. And then there's Rico. Right. And yeah. so I you know, the, and I'm, I'm you know I've had my say about what I feel like Rico is, looks like and uh, I, I I'd, I'd like for at least my listeners to have your say. <laughs> uh, I think um, 
you're absolutely right about the, the the top three guys. And so, like, is the question for Rico right now is, do you put him on a, as a roster bubble guy or as a not on the roster guy? And frankly, I put him as a not on the roster guy. I just don't feel like he has um, the athleticism to contribute. He he seems slow. He labors in and out of his cuts. He doesn't seem like he plays in on balance. He feels like he gets his weight out above his feet on pass routes. He's been dropping balls. He had lapses of concentration. He's been getting yelled at a lot by the coaches. I, I you know, it's it's possible that when they go to goal line, that, that you know this two hundred eighty pound monster will show up and he'll 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 show to be like a plus blocker in the Martellus Bennett mold. Mm-hmm. In which case, he then becomes a valuable asset. But until I see that, yeah. I cannot. I can't even put him on the roster bubble. Yeah. Frankly, I think it's hard to describe. I mean, you know, you're going to see videos of him catching passes against the third team guys or whatever, and I think it's kind of hard to describe to people that uh, you know that aren't seeing him live to just like how what a drop off there is. I mean, yeah, and what a <laughs> like just like he's and, and a lot of it is that he is very much a, a, a different body type than mm-hmm. the other guys. Um, but I mean, he's only—I mean, you're, he's only like twenty pounds heavier than them, you know. So it's like he is a different type of player, and his game is different. But I just don't know that in today's NFL that it it, it translates as, as well, you know. He's very—he's just very slow, and mm-hmm. I feel like his physical advantage of size will be taken away because I feel like he will be able to be covered by linebackers, and and then suddenly you know, the size advantage isn't as Heavy and then suddenly he's lost all his advantage. So I, I'm just I, I'm not completely ruling him out, but I am all the way tampering the enthusiasm, and he needs to earn any more enthusiasm for me. I think that's that's where I'm at. Is that I need to see more than just yeah, you caught some passes in practice. Like you need, to, I mean, he needs to look better doing it at this point. You know, it yeah. just looks not smooth, is what it is. Agreed. So all right, let's get into the uh, the last group and then. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up for the offense. Um, wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, first of all, you know, considering the idea that that clearly, I, I, I mean, from what they've told us and what we've seen, it seems to me that they are trying to keep a diverse group of talent, and they plan on deploying it as needed to exploit either game individual matchups or just matchups in general by you know created by scheme. So keeping that in mind, to me, obviously, I feel like keeping more wide receivers is something that, just based on those facts, is something that that, that should be done. Like just mm-hmm. because you're going to attack the position that way, and, and then when you look at the actual names on the list, this is a really tough group to cut down because you know you go in, you come in from OTAs, and there's a lot of promise. And you're like, well, you know, this will sort itself out once we get into into training camp because you know one of these guys won't look so good, or or someone someone will get a couple of them will get injured, and, and you know, you know, wait for that because we've already that's ha- happened to a certain degree a, a little bit. But I, as far as the disappointment side of it goes, has there really been anyone that specifically to you that has been in consideration for the top, let's say, seven wide receivers? That is like really. That's like oh, you know what? That, that was a bust. That didn't work out. No, only guys who have been injured. Yeah, right. So it's Noah Brown and Cedric uh, Wilson. And Cedric actually, you know, tore a labrum. He's 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 been put on IR already. And Brown's shown us value already. Absolutely last right. So so that's the only 
downside, and, and, and it's only just because they haven't had a chance to compete, not because they've competed and shown themselves poorly. And, in fact, some of the other guys who you thought, eh, they're probably, I mean, they're going to they're gonna make a play here and there, but they don't really have a chance. Like Lance Lenore yep. has been terrific every day. Yep. Like they always talk about, can you, can, yeah, you can flash one day, but can you be good every day? And yeah. this, this kid's been, he's Lenore's been made wonderful. made a play every single day. Every single yeah. day. And that's the thing is that I, I, that's what's really made this even more difficult than I expected is I assumed that, you know, they were kind of throwing numbers at the problem. But really, I mean, if it's not, I guess it shouldn't be considered a problem, but they, they I feel like they have... They have the talent they need in the numbers that they've got. I, the question is now, like I talked about, kind of bringing that all together, discovering how to best deploy each one of those players in our offense and then uh, you know, exploit defenses using those concepts. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Linehan talked about how they, they're do actively trying to do their best to find out what passing concepts, what, what's the best way to exploit where this player wins, essentially, and then how do we you know best fit that into what we do so uh, so so given that yeah uh who are your roster locks well locks i mean i think obviously uh based on what we've seen and based on you know the money hearns is obviously Mm -hmm. i feel like on the team beasley's a lock just because he's been uh, to me he looks fantastic i mean even outside inside wherever they're putting him he's he's winning uh he's the best receiver on the team i mean i think talent wise yeah i think he, he he probably is the best receiver on the team um, I think Tavon Austin is definitely on the team just because of all the different things he can do. You know, he's um, he's he's been okay. <laughs> Excuse the sneeze. <laughs> Great radio. Uh, he's been okay out and route. He hasn't been fantastic yet. But we've also seen that when he gets the ball in his hands out and route, like it's dangerous having him either on the move, catching the ball in the slant, or getting the ball alone isolated out on the outside because he's so dangerous in space like he's so quick and he, i mean he's not just straight line fast he has that water bug kind of you know agility and side to side movement that uh that that's something that they you know again they're going to be able to scheme ways to get to the ball we saw that today actually we finally got our first taste of uh, did you get a good angle of that of the uh of the reverse yeah he ran it right at me it was nuts it was amazing. like it was crazy and it's funny because in the same way that we talked about how, and I, I've talked about how last year, the first time that Switzer got that reverse, I, I my immediately was like, oh no, 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 no that, that's like, that it was like, I, and I knew that immediately, uh, they're like, okay, that, I mean, Switzer could be a great return guy. That's going to be fantastic. Maybe he'll be a great slot guy, but he can't do that lucky This is not his This forte. is not, he's just not fast enough. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a certain amount of speed and he had that easy speed. And, and, and today I saw it, man, like, I don't know if you noticed, but there was a moment he got outside so fast that he was actually standing flat-footed next to the defensive end who was uh, who was trying to keep contained. And I don't think the defensive end realized that he was there because he got there so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the defensive end was trying to widen out, and then he got there and then burst up field, and it was just like, and he was weaving through guys. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's that easy, easy mm-hmm. speed, and, and the way he's able to hit it. Once the snap comes, like, and he's behind that offensive line, and he just turns it on, and, and he was just, he was instantly outside. It was crazy. You know, the thing they always told, talked about with Tony Dorsett, who was an undersized running yeah. back, was that he got to full speed 
in fewer steps than anybody else. Yeah. Like they said that he was at full speed in like two or three steps. And, yeah. and, and so it, it, in watching Tavon Austin up close, I'm reminded of that aspect of Tony Dorsett's game. He's yeah. a very different player in almost oh, yeah, every other absolutely. aspect. Absolutely. But, but that, that sort of singular ability to be at top speed so quickly. It's nuts. It was just crazy to watch. And, um, it, yeah, I mean, because, you know, with Switzer, he was kind of, you know, trying to make moves behind the line. Like, like he – Tavon didn't make any move because he was just like, I'm going to teleport to the outside and then I'll get north and south and then I'll make my moves. And then that's what it was like watching. And, and Whitehead had that to a certain degree, but even him, I don't, I mean, he was coming fast. And mm-hmm. a lot of it, I for sure, was because it was live, but I, I was, uh, that worry is done that he can do that. Like he can no 100% do that. So moving on because we don't want to waste all the time. Any, on any other locks? Uh, yeah, any other locks? I think, uh, I think obviously, I mean, we're, we've been quietly trying to temper our enthusiasm, but man, Michael Gallup looks so good he out looks there. Fantastic. He really, really. And, and, and the thing is, is that like, you know, Ravel and I talked before practice. We were like, you know, is there what is it now like with him? And for me, like he's proven he can do this. Like it's not even that's not even a question. To me, it's about we talked about it, it was evening it out. Right, less up and down, more you know, making sure he's finishing plays, making sure you know, because that was that when he had that down day the other day, it wasn't because he couldn't do what was being asked him to do. He was doing every single bit of it, and then like not catching the ball in a tough contested situation, you know. And, and again, like it, no one else would be expected to do that, but he got all the way there, and his hands are on the ball. And then got to the ground and it, it slips out. You know that that kind of like finishing. You know, and and, and not necessarily. And I and I use Miles Austin as uh, like his first few years as an example. Miles Austin's first few years, like he could he couldn't finish anything. He'd do everything right. Yeah, and except that the, except the most important part of the play, which is the last yeah. like sixteenth of the play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and 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 that was very consistently not great with Miles. Mm-hmm. But they saw something there and they kept with them. Gallup's not even doing that. Gallup is finishing, I would say, more than he isn't finishing. At least even on his bad days. Mm-hmm. On his good days, he's finishing everything. But uh, so my point is, is that he, even he's like at sixty percent. He needs to like he needs to finish a higher percentage for us to like you know crown him as anything. But I'm having a harder and harder time. Temper, tempering that expectation that expectations because I mean again today he went out had another fantastic practice and and not only I mean basically went flying in the face of what I was talking about I mean there were several different times when he had extremely contested mm-hmm. catches one mm-hmm. of which the defensive back insisted was a was an incompletion during team on I think it was fourth and ten mm-hmm. or third mm-hmm. and ten went up got the ball converted that converted a pass so. Right. Jason Garrett called it a, a, a completion. I, I think I mean so the so the, yeah, the referee. I think the referee did yeah, too. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. yeah, but I, it was but no, I mean it was impressive mm-hmm. and and, and, he, and beyond that too. He started out that drill beating Byron inside for a slant for a big gain. I'm having a harder and harder time trying to temper my enthusiasm about it, but uh, you know, you give me your thoughts on if, to me those guys just to kind of bow that up and then you can tell me about Gallup and your locks overall, but to me, those four guys are definitely locks, and then you've got another four, three or four guys who are you got to sort through because you're going to take at least two, if not three of them. Agreed. I think we, we we are on the same page about the four guys. I share all of your enthusiasm about Gallup. 
I believe that by week eight, Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz will both be starting. Oh uh, yeah, I I tend to agree on that too, and and I think that Schultz to me, he's it, the most balanced. I think eventually he'll be the most ba- the best of the balanced tight ends. That's right. You know, I think eventually he'll just be a better player than Swaim, but he'll take Swaim's spot as the complete package tied in and then it'll be him and Jarwin from then out. Agreed, agreed. And Swain will kind of in like 12, 12 personnel yeah, and yeah. goal line, stuff like that. Uh, okay, so I think we're on the same page about all this. And then, and then you, you mentioned that there's probably three or maybe four other guys who are competing for two, maybe three other spots. Yes. And so those guys are, uh, we got Deontay Thompson, right? Uh, we have Terrence Williams. And then we have the two guys we talked about before, both Lance Lenore and Noah Brown couple of youngsters and so uh this is interesting because these are these are you know we have a couple of veterans um you know a couple a couple of youngsters who who have played and been in the cowboy system for a bit at least for a year if not more and uh and they have a wide variety of, of skill sets i think you know terrence williams has you know been folding into camp and like the, the last day or two he's been getting a lot of work with the first team i think he's it's probably unfair yeah. of us to put him on the bubble he's probably on the team no i agree yeah and so so that really leaves these other three these other three kids noah brown lance lenore and um uh and then deontay, deontay thompson. thompson and we talked about the reason actually that i was hesitant to, to make them that is because of all these guys, the two to me that seem the most similar, I think, or that are in, in, that are in, I feel like in direct direct competition because of their skill sets and similarity uh, was Deontay Thompson and, and Terrence Williams. Mm-hmm. So I think Thompson's had a good camp, and I, I feel like Terrence has started to come on, you know, as they worked him in slowly. Um, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be. Uh, you know, it's gonna come down to preseason performance and all that. But I, I tend to agree because of Terrence's familiar familiarity with here with Dak and also with the offense. Um, th- that likely, you know, he uh, likely he makes it. And again, if he's not gonna get suspended, then you don't really have the out of getting out of this money. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, I think it becomes likely that he gets makes the team. Now, the question to me again because of that, does that lessen the chances that Deontay Thompson makes the team? I, I think it depends on, on what the main reason they brought Thompson on is. And I think if it's if it's that he has that that unusual deep speed. So, I mean, I think Terrence Williams was brought in to be the kind of like faster, deep, deep, you know, the guy who's going to run more nine routes and yeah. that kind of thing. He's going to run a lot of clear outs because people respect his deep speed. But he never had that, like, no. super, super crazy deep speed. Yeah. He was just fast. Yeah. Uh, he's a 4-4 guy, not a 4-3 guy. Yeah. And Deontay Thompson's a little closer to that sort of 4-3 yeah, guy. He, he, can, he, can, take a, he can take a top, yeah. he can take a top off a of defense. Yeah. And so um, how important is that to this to this offense? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think and it could be that, De- that, that it's because it's important that Deontay Thompson ends up being getting that last slot, and the guys like Lansonor and and Noah Brown, who have shown their value, you know, in the opportunities they've had, are the odd men out as a result. Yeah, and it may be, you know, the other thing too is that uh, you know the truth of the matter is that Williams' role was kind of defined off of Dez's role before, so. You know, the more I talk about this out loud, the more I could easily convince myself that, that Williams could be 
you know, more of the slant guy, more of the crossing routes guy if they wanted to. Because he's obviously had a ton of success doing that. If you think about some of his big plays, it's been, you know, moving across the field, That's right. getting the ball on the run. Because he's really dangerous with the ball in his hands on the run. So, you know, the truth is, is that I liked Thompson. I'm hoping, I, I felt I felt like when they got him initially, because, you know, before Dez got cut, I felt like it was kind of a, a, a commentary on they felt like they needed more speed at the Z because they felt like they needed someone to get over the top. But, uh, I, I, you know, I like that skill set, obviously, and I like some of the other things he does. You know, I don't want to cut any of these guys. Mm-hmm. That's the real problem mm-hmm. is that, I, you know, I don't want to cut Lance Lenore. Let's, move, let's talk about Lance Lenore. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, have, I mean, he's – it feels like he's done enough to, and I think if he gets into the game and continues to do what he's done and he doesn't get hurt, I don't, I don't know how you cut him because I really do think you're going to use him in the game. I, I, I think that he's going to be able to get snaps, you know, not a ton of snaps, four, five snaps, six snaps a game and, and give you, you know, potentially some production if, if you throw the ball his way. If you throw the ball his way, he'll catch it. You know, and, 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 and if he's open, you know, you'll get the yards. I mean, what, That's all I can promise. Right, I mean, what wide receiver, other than Michael Gallup, has had a better camp than Lance Lenore? No one. I'm not sure anybody no, Beasley, has. Beasley. Be- Beasley. Yeah, but, that's but, probably true. But, but that's, but, I mean, uh, that's also, uh, you know, Beasley's of a much higher pedigree than probably, I mean, Beasley's reached higher heights in the NFL, in the NFL than almost anybody on this receiver court. At this point, right? Yeah. I mean, like other even, than Hearn's one, yeah, Hearn's yard one. Year. But even yeah. then, I don't know that he he reached you know what what Beasley was at. So my right. point is is that you know if we're comparing Beasley to to to, to Lance Lenore, how are you cutting Lance Lenore? That's right. That's uh, so right. So that be it tough. becomes a difficult thing, and, be and he lines up everywhere too. That's the other thing. Yeah. Is that, I mean, they've had him all over the spot. So uh, and then finally, I feel like. Uh, is it finally Noah Brown's the last guy we got? Yeah. Right? You know the, the tough thing about Noah Brown to me is that you go back to the tight end conversation about you know needing to kind of mitigate potential losses and only carrying three tight ends. We talked about Mazo Wally. To me, Noah Brown is also part of that conversation because he's a, a that move blocker. He's a guy that you you know you're not necessarily you know putting on line of scrimmage and with his hand out, but he can do some of those H back type things. He can probably come up. An arc black, arc block a, a linebacker, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and so I feel like, and then on top of that, he also has an athletic profile that is very similar, uh, you know, his game is probably very similar to Des Bryant's minus the, uh, well, and this is a big minus, but I'm just saying, you know, he has a valuable skill set. He's Des Bryant with, without the ups, you know, without without the elevated game that made him the mm-hmm. touchdown, you know, leader of all time. But he still has that big body. He can, you know. He can use that to his advantage. You know, he can use that on slants. He can use that on in cutting routes uh, and be present a good target to Dak. Um, I like Noah Brown. I, I, again, all these guys are. This is really going to be a tough cut down for these guys. It is. It is. And uh, so I, you know, this is one of the reasons why you and I did a kind of quiet little high five when we heard that Cedric Wilson got yeah, put on IR yeah, because yeah. he would he would for all intents and purposes have been another name in yeah. in, in this mix and it would have been even more heartbreaking because then we're looking at like. Two or three guys who could probably, you know, deserve and, and, are, and are capable athletically, et cetera, of getting NFL snaps. Who would have, who they would have had to get rid of? Any other 
wide receivers or any other guys that you want to talk about before we wrap up wrap it up for the offense and we'll come back with the defense as well uh, uh on another show but uh anybody else you got you want to talk about katie cannon or any of these guys we, no i think the rest there's some other guys who there's no, 19 who we, we should mention his name there's a guy named I, i'm not actually sure how to pronounce his name i think it's michael mckay or but it's, it's not it's, spelled it's like spelled you would M-E-K-L-E. Like it might be Mikhail McKay, yeah. um, who who's been good for let's say two great catches or three great catches every two practices. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's got like one and a half really really interesting, uh, sort of exciting plays every every, every practice. Yeah. Uh, not not consistent enough to make the team. I, I don't think he'll make the team, but. There's been some. He's been done some nice work. Okay, really has. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen him do some things too. It just feels like uh, I also see him get yelled at by the coach yeah. a lot. He just seems like he might be a little bit of a knucklehead. But he, you know, big, tall guy. He's made some amazing catches. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, he might be one of those guys where you, you think. You know, two years of Sanjay Lyle in the practice yeah. squad could really make a difference. Make a huge when, you difference. know, in two years when when Terrence Williams' uh, contract runs out and Alan Hearns is no longer a cowboy, maybe he's the maybe Lance somebody, Lenore of, yeah. the, of 2020. Or, you know, maybe yeah. he's a developmental guy. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it for uh, this episode. Thank you so much for checking it out. Make sure you follow Rabble Rouser, which is spelled just like the word Rabble Rouser, except the last E is correct. Rabble Rouser. Rabble Rouser. So uh, make sure you guys follow him on Twitter. Make sure you're following me at McCoolBCB. Uh, until uh, next one, we'll be back on the next episode doing uh, defense. Uh, that'll be pretty spirited, too. There's lots of, lots of conversations on there to have, too. So thanks, guys. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.